1: NY or text hope NY in New York
2: and welcome back to the Wolverine live this is John Borden I, we've got a fun one for you here tonight I'll tell you right off the bat because we've got a pair of my personal favorites in the house you know Tom Crawford is here every week and uh, Tom is of great fame in press pass that uh, you can see on on Fox 47 He's got his own podcasting network. He comes up with all kinds of creative things. And tonight, special guest, Clayton Safey, off the staff of The Wolverine. And uh, he he does his own thing on podcasts and, and different areas and some great research and kills it on the website. And now he's with us tonight. Welcome, gentlemen.
3: Great to be here. Yeah, thanks yeah, for having
2: it's me.
4: It's great to be back, JB. Uh, sorry I missed last week with Wayman Britt, but um, I conquered the old COVID thing that I didn't think I was ever going to have to deal with. Uh, now, I will never take my health for granted ever, ever again, okay? I'm making yeah. it right now.
2: <laughs> uh, I hear you. And we were, uh, you know, we were concerned and uh, very glad that you are back with us. Um, certainly, if you're going to, you're going to tap out for a week and uh, and send a sub in. Wayman Britt's yeah. not a bad guy to, yeah, to step know. in there. And yeah. I, I will say this, too. Wayman kind of let him have it, the basketball team, a, a week ago. And and I, I think yeah. they heard him because then they reeled off two straight wins. So, yeah. or, you know, he, it, he might be going into the locker room sometime before these next two games, which they have to have. So, anyway – Great to have Tom Crawford back with us. A lot of fun having Clayton Safey with us because uh, I haven't been able to do this before, but I have been looking forward to this one. I want to throw this out to you two gentlemen right off the bat. Um, A week ago, I said to uh, Wayman Britt, do you think this season is salvageable for Michigan? And Wayman Britt's kind of an upfront blunt guy, and he said – Uh, No, no, I don't think so. And then he went on to, at at great length to explain why. Uh My question this week, after a couple of wins, is uh, do you fellas think that, uh, that Michigan's recent success means it is able to claw its way back onto the bubble for the NCAA tournament? Clayton, we'll start with you on this one.
3: JB, you took some of the words I was going to say. So I listened last week to Wayman Britt. I thought it was fantastic. And I was going to say, did Kobe Bufkin listen to that episode too? Because one of the things I took most away from your conversation with Wayman, who the Defensive Player of the Year Award at Michigan is named after, was they don't really have that guy that brings the fire, right? That leadership that they need to kind of galvanize the team. And they don't really have that guy that takes total pride in their defense. I feel like Kobe Buffkin has tried to be that guy at different points this season. He has made a ton of progress. He's gotten better. He's had some great games, but his last two games have been spectacular. They've been as good as you could imagine from a kid who is still the youngest scholarship player on this team. And he talked about it after the game on Sunday against Ohio State that he's trying to lead by example and show the other guys uh, that, you know, how it's supposed to be done. He was saying that. Jet Howard, yeah, he gets into him a little bit at times, but he also encourages him because he said, hey, I've been there. I was that guy last year that couldn't stay on the floor because of defense. So it just feels like his emergence is coming at the right time. Um, This is a huge week, as you said. This is going to determine Nebraska and Indiana if you are going to be on the bubble going forward. They're not in that conversation yet, but they can be with, with two more wins in a row.
2: All right, good deal. Tom, thoughts?
4: Well, you know, I'm a little surprised with Wayman saying that's not tangible because he you know he's a positive guy, but he you know, he's a mm-hmm. fire brimstone guy. And you know, he saw Kobe, you know, he saw Kobe in Grand Rapids, that's where he lives. And uh he you know, as you know, indicate, you know, we talked about the defensive player of the year award, you know, that the, the award named after him. I mean, that's Wayman was a stopper. He held Adrian Dantley to one point in the NCAA sweet sixteen. So that's why it really hurts him because his team's in the mid 70s when I was in school, they pushed the ball and they defended. And that's what was not happening with this team. But we saw that fire and that Clay just mentioned about you know where's where that it finally came from Kobe. And I, I I truly think when you have four potential quad one wins ahead of them and you're at eight big ten wins right now, I truly believe if you get to 12 wins, going to Chicago, going to United Center for the Big Ten Tournament, I think they're in. I think they're in because the body of work in front of them, as daunting as it is, it's it's a strength to Michigan right now because it can make up for lost equity, and it's all there in front of them. And as Clayton mentioned about this Nebraska game, that's a gimme. But I mean, they if they beat Indiana, they're in. They're in the hunt. They're in the hunt. Then they could get a split in the next two with Rutgers at on the road and. Michigan State at home, they're in great shape.
2: Okay, I mean, you, no, no taking Nebraska for granted. I, I just well, I, don't uh, want, I
4: don't want to do that. You know, look, they just
2: beat Penn State. You know,
4: look what I, they did at Penn State.
2: Exactly, and I told mutual friend Jamie Morris just uh, a little bit ago that uh, if you want to play that game the way it should be played, then the morning of tomorrow morning, uh, before the Nebraska game, you play the uh, the Central Michigan tape and say, hey, fellas, you think uh, that this is going to be an easy win? I-, I got a movie to show you. And uh, the, the other thing about it is, you know, you we we talked at length, and Clayton did a nice job talking at length about uh, Kobe Bufkin. I have noticed that in these last couple of games, I think there's been a, a better version of Hunter Dickinson on the floor. I think that they've helped him out and gotten him the ball in some different places and, uh, and that he has been more assertive, more aggressive, even through some double teams in that last game. I, you know, I, I don't think that this is a, a guy that should be trying to bull his way through double teams all the time, but at the same time, he can't catch in the post and just because there's a double team, uh, immediately fling it over his head back out to the perimeter. And he wasn't doing that. And he was picking his spots at times. Yeah. You had an open guy and they're hitting the shots, but at the same time he was moving around and they were hitting him in different places and able to, uh, to score that way. This is a guy that to me has to absolutely be uh, the leader of this team down the stretch, the, you know, you might have a little more fire at times from Kobe, but as far as the go-to guy, that better be Hunter Dickinson because uh, he's the biggest guy on the floor. He's your leading scorer. He's got to be uh, somebody that really takes charge. So I think that has been a difference. In addition to what Clayton said about Kobe, uh, Tom Crawford, how about you? Uh, what what is uh, what have you noticed that has been different? And uh, Tom first, and then uh, then Clayton. You know, you can uh, jump in after that with anything beyond Kobe that you have noticed is different in this team.
4: Well, I want to go back to Hunter again and get a shot at that as well, because you know, and I, I you know, being ill last week, I, I didn't go down to Chrysler, so I had the privilege of watching Jay Wright do the do the uh, analyst role with CBS, and he he does a terrific job. And I understand he had a great conversation with Juwan surrounding that that game that he he broadcast for CBS. And he talked about about the how how about how Hunter is is basically a, a more dominant player in the right block versus the left block. You know, you say down the block, is blocks. There's two blocks to choose from down there. And mm-hmm. if you if you look at these possessions, Hunter is much more effective on the right block where he can with that left hook, he can kind of, you know, you know saunter inside going you know left to right and, and and the lane and get that soft hook and I mean that's a huge difference and, and this is what I don't really know about about the decision making of where he sets up. Uh is there a particular play? I mean that's when I'm getting down to that pressure I'm 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 gonna ask Joan that question is is you know how you know are these set plays or is it is it is that his own discretion because I truly believe what you you mentioned JB that he he has to be more of a dagger offensively, a mentality. Terry Mills talked about that when we had him on. He's got to be, you know, that he always talked about this viper mentality that that uh, he and Joey Baker have to have consistently, and I, I I truly believe that. So if he can be more consistent on that, and then that, and then the Doug McDaniel thing is that's going to be the that's the X factor the rest of the way, guys. I mean, I, I you know, and, that, and that's asking a lot of that young man, but he's got some huge games ahead of him.
2: All right.
3: Clayton, jump in there. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think part of Hunter getting in some of those better positions has been something that Phil Martelli talked about a week ago. He said, we got to play with some better pace. They were playing too slow. He thought they were getting in their action too late. And I think we saw them really push it against Northwestern, which I thought was smart because Northwestern is playing their fifth game in 11 days. They seemed to you know, be a little bit flat last Thursday night. And then Ohio State, you saw it too, them You know, it's not always the fast break stuff, but it's Doug McDaniel getting down the floor quickly or getting an outlet pass out to somebody else. We saw Joey Baker capitalize on a three with that. But when they get down quicker, I think Hunter Dickinson's able to get deeper in the post. And that really helped against Ohio State. I mean, how many times did he catch it where he was, you know, just within range to put up that that lefty hook and he abused uh Akpera from uh the the freshman from Ohio state yes. early in the second half. I think Zed oh. Key's a little, little banged up, but still yes. a questionable decision to go with him there. Uh, he had eight right. points on him in seven minutes, but um, yeah. So I think the pace is helping him too. And then, I mean, Tom, you saying Doug McDaniel, it, it's to me, Hunter plays his best too. When Doug McDaniel, Kobe Bufkin, and Jet Howard are playing their best as well. Cause it all kind of feeds on on itself. I mean, if they can sell out and use every resource on Hunter Dickinson like Penn State did, holding him to six points, then yeah, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty you know easy if nobody else is making them pay. But if those guys are hitting shots, you can't bring everybody on Hunter. And it, it you know it's kind of one of those things that works all together. So that I think when we've seen that over the last two games too, where they've you know, the guards have played well, Hunter has played well. And uh, when they're clicking, I mean, this offense, especially, I know they have beat up a little bit better, but the offense especially is is, as dangerous as they come.
2: All right. Staying with Clayton for a minute. Um, Jet Howard, you mentioned uh, in passing. And what I want to know from both of you guys is simply this. He has had his. Struggles here over the last few weeks. I mean, he's had some unbelievable games. Put him in position to win the Iowa game. Should have won that. They would look a whole lot better if that win was on the resume. Um, but they they let that one slip away late. But Jet Howard, how is he going to be able to? Work his way back up to being a consistent, positive contributor to this team, like he was in some early games. And if so, how do you think will, it will manifest itself? Like I say, Clayton, you go first.
3: One thing, I think to me, he still doesn't look totally one hundred percent to me coming off of the ankle injury. He seems a little bit slower. Um, and you know I think that'll you know time will only help with that. maybe he'll be even healthier. Tomorrow night against Nebraska, uh, so I think that's something that he kind of struggled with against Northwestern. Now, great move by Jawan Howard to pull Joe uh, to pull him and put in Joey Baker early in that second half, and then he, I think he had nine points after halftime. He had the huge and one three, um, but I, I think that one, you know, one that'll help Jack getting a little bit healthier. Two, uh, you know, I think he he easily can you know help this team offensively. Um, you know, we've kind of seen that and you know, it is annoying at times some of his shot selection, but I thought against Ohio State he picked his spots a little bit better. And uh and maybe, you know, Jawan taking him out at times and throwing Joey Baker in there who's been pretty reliable lately will, you know, kind of teach him a little bit more of, you know, the hey, there is another guy we could throw in here because at times this year when Jet has a mistake on defense or, or takes a bad shot, it feels like they don't have somebody they could go to to uh replace him. But I think uh, you know. I think Jet is is going to be fine on offense. I just worry about who he's matched up with defensively.
4: Right, Tom. Well, I worry about defensively, like like Clayton mentioned, but also sometimes early in the shot clock, Jet lets it fly. Uh, no pun intended. And and it seems like when he's a little bit more. I mean, where they're where they like six seven seconds into the into the into the shot clock, and that thing that sucker is going up. Now a lot of times, if it's at the top of the key. That, I mean, that dude, that's his shot, but sometimes I'm, you know, elbow extended, you know um, it's not, it's not there. I, I think he's a little impatient in that regard. And, and so that frustrates me, but I, and I do think I, I agree with Clayton about the injury. I think, uh, you know, I, I keep telling myself he's just coming. That was a bad ankle sprain he had, you know, the Howard that I have most in problem with is Chase Howard mm. because I don't understand why Will Cheddar is not getting those minutes. And you know, maybe you guys know something that I don't know. But I mean, he's getting too too many minutes oftentimes when it's four fouls and maybe a rebound. Now, sometimes he makes a play and he has he's had some great minutes here and there. But I but what but I, I it mystifies me now Will Chatter is not the guy. Because when Will Chatter gets on that court, the energy for the other four dudes rises like instantly. I mean, you, you look at that look, look at the body language of the other players who are on the court at the same time. So I'm 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 curious to to wonder I'm I'm wondering why in the Ohio State game that Cheddar didn't play and if there's an injury or something like that and I hope that changes because I think Will Cheddar has a more upside than Jace Howard does.
2: Cheddar, uh, believe, has had some illness issues. Okay, um, Clayton, yeah. you can you can speak to that too.
3: Yeah. So I guess he got sick uh, before the Northwestern game and actually went into the locker room and puked mid game. And so he was kind of wasn't available there, but I did ask about him to Tom Weirott, uh on Sunday and he said that Will was available and that it was, he's pretty much over. And I think it was more of a food poisoning thing. So I I'm with you, you know, I I'm a Will Cheddar fan. I think that when he comes in, he adds a lot. Um, I do wonder maybe with some of those minutes, especially in the first half what Juwan is looking for when they come in and they kind of bring some pressure defense. Maybe he's thinking that uh, if that's going to be the role of who's coming in off the bench to bring that energy, it's Jace. But uh, and maybe you just want a perimeter-oriented defender out there. But that's my only thought because Will Cheddar, his minutes have been really good this year, outside yeah. of some fouls, you know. But Jace does that too, you know. Jace is, yeah. is known to foul, so um, yeah, it's a little bit confusing. The rotation seems to vary uh, quite a bit, and I get you got to mix it up situationally, but it, it seems a little bit odd that he plays 10 minutes one game, and then, you know, it was a, a, a healthy scratch the next. Yeah.
4: Well, he didn't play against Ohio State at all in that right. game. He, he met miss if I, And if you were clarifying that he was available, the T-Walk, th- Tom Wyrod indicated, then um, I, I I hope that changes. I assume he's going to play a lot more tomorrow night against the State.
3: They did go with the the starters. I think everyone was 30-plus. Oh,
4: 30-plus. Wow. That, what do you think about that?
3: Hunter played, I think, 36, right? Yeah, um,
4: I'm curious to know that. I mean, you look at those minutes. That was a different. That was a different allocation. Yes, and maybe that was a good thing. Some teams do that, shorten the benches when it gets. To yeah, the it's games. that time of year,
2: right? It's Getting that time of year exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. And uh, and speaking of that time of year, uh, it's that time in Michigan season where it faces a week where it can do one of two things: either build on this. Mini momentum it's built up over the last two wins or else it can take a step back. Nebraska tomorrow night and then Indiana this weekend. I, in my opinion, I think this thing is, is a a situation where Michigan has to get both of these. If it doesn't, if it does not, then, you know, you have at the very least taken a, a gut punch to the momentum that, You have built up um, and, you know, you're you're running out of chances. If you look at the rest of the schedule, you're running out of chances. After these home games, I would say uh, there is not a single game left where Michigan can look at it and say, you know what, we should win. That doesn't mean they're not going to get more wins. I think they will. But just looking at it and say, okay, well, that's a win. Um, you can't. It's dangerous ground anyway. But the the road games they've got, you know, okay, there there we've got it right there. You got Nebraska and Indiana this week, and then you got to go to the Kohl Center in Wisconsin, Michigan State. That'll be a, a very fiery game in Chrysler uh, at Rutgers. No bargain at all. Wisconsin at home. Finish with at Illinois at Indiana. There are no bargains in there to be had. Uh, Tom Crawford, how do you feel about the, I guess, the immensity of this particular week for them?
4: Well, you know, I got, I'm stuck in the metric thing. So I got three. They got three mulligans in my mind. They got three law. They got to get the twelve wins. That means eight losses. They're at five losses. So they got, you know, they got to win four. They got to go four and three. I mean, that's. I'm a bottom line kind of guy, and it's a bottom line business. I mean, if yeah, I agree with you on the on the Indiana game. You that is a must-win game. And you you're talking about a team that just knocked off the number one team in the nation and and you know it's Trace Jackson Davis is gonna be a handful. It's it's gonna be a – and they got some young freshmen that are kicking it in right now. So Indiana's gonna be tough. But if you lose that game, then you gotta go to the rack and win. Okay, you're gonna go to the rack and, and Piscataway and win that. That ain't happening. Yeah, I mean Michigan Michigan's offense struggles against average defensive teams. I mean, Rutgers just suffocates you. So I mean, that's a loss. I would I would be shocked if Michigan went to the rack on the twenty-third of February and won that game. So I mean you look at the you look at games that are obvious losses. I mean, Rutgers on the road, Illinois on the road, and and Indiana on the road. Those are your three losses. You got to win the rest of them. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at the slate realistically. And if you screw one up, you're gonna have to steal one. And I guess maybe Champagne on on the second of March might be the best shot at that, but uh, I, it's it's daunting.
3: All right, Clayton, response to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a super important week. I'm always a little bit hesitant when we talk about must win or <laughs> need to to yeah. do this, but I look at these next four and I say you got to win three out of four. Um, and then that Wisconsin game looks looks pretty good at home there later on in the season, and then if you could steal one on the road, I think that's that one, Tom, that you were talking about earlier. If you were able to do what I'm saying here, hold serve, and then steal one, you know, it doesn't look likely, Rutgers, Illinois, Indiana on the road. But if you do, it didn't look likely either when they went to Ohio State last year and won without Hunter Dickinson. But if you can steal one of those, then you go to Chicago and you think, okay, we feel pretty good here about our chances, but to me – Nebraska, you have to win. That was a loss. that They almost lost last year to Nebraska. That would have did them in at home. Um, and then, you know, so you can't lose that. I think it would be a quad three loss. And then, you know, Indiana at Wisconsin doesn't look as tough. Teams are going there right now and, and winning. Um, but if you lose to Indiana, you got to win that one. So I look at these four as the four games they are going to set you up for what the next four would do, and that would be, you know, get that, get that marquee win that you need potentially on the road to then put you in position heading into uh, the big 10 tournament. So maybe it was a cop out of an answer just because I'm, I'm not a must win fan of that term, but um, that's kind of how I see it. It, it, It's probably the most important week easily of the season. And one of the most important weeks you can have, because it's the difference between, uh, you know, staying afloat, staying in the conversation or Basically being done, especially if you lose to Nebraska.
2: Yeah, that's good. Good stuff there. I, I'm not a must-win guy either. I usually stiff arm those sorts of things, <laughs> and yet, boy, you, yeah. you know, get get the get the repelling ropes to climb out of the hole you dig if uh, if you don't win and don't sweep this week. It's as um, close
3: as it's as close as you can get to a must-win. I think. In yeah. the regular season, in in early February, you know, yeah, That's how I no see.
2: doubt about it. You, um, we heard, uh, we know that uh, Juwan Howard promotes a growth mindset for his team, and uh, he is re- talking about having a growth mindset for himself because, uh, you know, Tom, I believe it was you that mentioned Jay Wright on the call on the uh, on the analysis in Michigan. And uh, Juwan Howard had a little sit down to talk with Jay Wright and talk about his uh, his approach to coaching and uh, the the former Villanova coach. Um, what what was your reaction when you heard that that uh, that Juwan did it and, and characterized it as, you know, an opportunity to to continue to learn and and change what he's doing?
4: Well, I mean, I, it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, this is a guy that eliminated him in the uh, Sweet 16 last year, if I'm not mistaken. Nova took him out. Uh, you know, one thing I, I think one of Juwan Howard's greatest strengths is his willingness to look at his at his shortcomings, his strengths, his weaknesses, his core competencies, and 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 have a clear cut clear-cut evaluation of it. I mean, he's coming from the NBA environment. This whole college thing is new. Uh, he brought in Phil Martelli for multiple reasons. So uh, one of them was a huge college, uh, Hall of Fame, legendary in- intel that that Phil brings. And Jay Wright is as is as bright as you can be. I mean, and and look what his resume has has dictated. So I mean, Juwan is is one who takes advantages of situations um, to to for his own personal development, which develops his team. And so I, I- it didn't surprise me. I commend him for it, and I think you're going to see a lot more of it moving forward.
2: Clayton, I believe you wrote about that. Your your thoughts on that whole uh, uh, interaction.
3: Yeah. Joan talked about it on his radio show last night and kind of revealed that nugget. And I thought that was that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, coaches use a, a ton of coach speak. Um, Joan Howard engages in that quite a bit at times. He's always talks about all hands on deck. And, you know, this player's day to day even, you know, he doesn't give much information at times. But the one thing that's not coach speak is when he talks about the growth mindset that you mentioned, it's something I think he mentioned at his introductory press conference when he got hired in 2019. And, you know, he was talking about how, Hey, I've, I've been meeting with John B almost every summer for years to talk about coaching because he was kind of, you know, coming up in, in the business. And so to me, it, it just shows you that he's, he's practicing what he preaches. You know, he talks about that with his team too, that he wants that growth mindset. And Tom, I agree with you. You know, he's kind of able to look at and self-evaluate himself and his team. You know, I mean, sometimes he's up there and he's I think he said a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I'm damn pleased with this team. Uh, you know, we're second in the Big Ten. But you know, you know, deep down, he, he wants to have, you know, probably had some of those opportunities back that they lost. So, you know, he's a guy that's kind of keeps it real. And, you know, I think this was a, a good example of that.
2: Yeah, and here's here's one pet peeve I have to an extent. And that is the those who – I I get that the coach that preceded Juwan Howard was uh, a coaching legend. I labeled him as uh, probably before most as the best basketball coach in Michigan basketball history. But when I hear the, you know, if something's going wrong for a stretch or something is not being done, it's, you know, you get the – Ah, uh, I wish I wish John Beeline was back, or this, this, or that. And what I think people don't fully grasp or don't care about, because granted, and I'll grant you this, it's a bottom line business. You had a John Beeline at the very zenith of his career at Michigan, and uh, forty some years into coaching. You've got Juwan Howard, who is a handful of years into a, into a college basketball coaching career. Not even that. And so, I, you know, I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I just think that sometimes uh, the comparisons we make are, are a little bit too much.
4: Well, I, I agree. I mean, that's apples to oranges. they are different styles that Juwan brings a, 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 a different strength than John Beeline does. And, and, and Juwan's had some, some hiccups here. He's had, you know, he's had some on-court issues that he's overcome and that he's, you know, he's looked at himself and, and I mean, John Beeline never ran into that situation before. And, and uh, so um, I, I agree with you. It's, you know, it's still early in the game for Juwan Howard. I think this next year though, is really going to be compelling to see, you know, last year Last year was a struggle for a while. I mean, about a year ago, we were having the same kind of conversations the three of us are having right now. If you recall, remember that Iowa mm-hmm. game? How bad they looked at Iowa at Chrysler? Like, oh my God, they're not going to get in the. They're not going to get in the tournament, and they wiggled their way in and they got in the Sweet Sixteen again for the fifth time in program history. I mean that that's that's a great run for the program. But as but you know, as far as you know, next year I think that's really going to be telling because that's as far into the Far into the, uh, you know, work resume as far as this Michigan stop and, and the collegiate level. And, and we're going to have a pretty good gauge of where it's headed and and
2: how the season ends and and, and how it begins next year. I also remember a few years back, you, you're you mentioning, you know, last year, but I remember a few years back after a loss to Ohio State and yes. the things spinning out of control. I remember a conversation on the phone with one yes. time Crawford, and we were – discussing about whether or not John Beeline was going to make it. Yes. And, yeah. uh, he, and you know he what turned, they did? And then yes. three,
4: two days later, they absolutely hammered Michigan State by like 30-some points, and all's well in the world then. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so no the doubt. That's the figure of college basketball, right? No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clayton, going to shift gears here a little bit. We're going to football, <laughs> and uh, we – have seen that uh, one Chris Partridge is headed back to town. Um, The fact that uh, he is rejoining the Michigan staff uh, by all accounts is one that I think really grabs Michigan fans attention on a number of fronts from recruiting to uh, his coaching ability to the relationships he strikes with players, your thoughts on what, this impending uh, addition is going to uh, give to Jim Harbaugh and his staff going forward?
3: Well, first of all, we, um, you know, we don't know exactly what his role is going to be, which I find really interesting because you have a full coaching staff right now with 10 on-field assistant coaches. Now everyone's kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. Is it going to be George Helo? Is it going to be Jay Harbaugh or something like that? Just because those are the positions that Chris Partridge coached while he was here. Um, So that'll be interesting, you know, to see what kind of role, what kind of title he has. Um, But I think people are pretty excited about this because of what Chris Partridge did uh, during his time here. I mean, he came in, Jim Harbaugh hires him from Paramus Catholic. You know, he's the director of player personnel, but then he quickly moves to an on-field role a year later and became an ace recruiter for Michigan going all around the country. I mean, it wasn't just guys from New Jersey where he has strong ties. If you look at some of the big names, he pulled in. He was helping with guys all over the South, uh, Florida, Georgia. Um, you know, he pulled two five-star defensive tackles out of Georgia: Aubrey Solomon and Chris Hinton. I mean, that's pretty unheard of. I know the careers didn't work out as you know they probably didn't play like five stars here, especially Aubrey Solomon, and, and he moved on to Tennessee. But it's pretty it's pretty rare to get a, an interior defense alignment out of the South like that. So he's a fantastic recruiter. Um, and then we'll see, you know, what he is as a, as a position coach back here. By all accounts, he did a good job and wanted to move up and coordinate a defense at Ole Miss where he got that opportunity. So I think it's a it's a pretty big uh, win for Michigan. I don't think Jim Harbaugh was looking necessarily to replace anybody. I think the timing will back me up there, the fact that it's you know less than two weeks until spring ball. But he saw that Chris Parcher is on the market, a guy that he trusts, a guy that's a good coach and a good recruiter, and he said – Why not? Let's
2: let's kind of make this work. And Tom Crawford, uh, Chris Partridge will be coming back to a very different Michigan situation than he left because they were still looking for that breakthrough when he left. Now he's coming back to a team that has knocked off Ohio State two times in a row, that has won the Big Ten two times in a row. I mean, he's got to be feeling uh, like he's coming back into a little bit of high clover.
4: Yeah, and I think though, I think as Clayton mentioned about the recruiting element. Then when I think of when I think of Chris Partridge, I think of recruiting. I I think of how good they, how good of recruiting they were. I mean, it was uncanny. You know, here they were they were they were top recruiting and they weren't winning Big Ten championships. Now they're big winning back to back Big Ten championships, CFP appearances. They're like 19th overall in the rankings. So I think there was a need there. I, I mean, I would be shocked. I mean, George Hilo. I, I I assume that's the guy. I don't know. I don't know what role he's going to play. Um, I do. I do know that Michigan's defense, that at the second level and at linebacker, I think needs needs some help. But maybe that's uh, uh, an area that he wants, that Jim Harbaugh wants to address. But I just think it's a great hire. I mean, he was down there working for Lane Kiffin. Uh, I don't know what the hell happened down there. I mean, it was a DC. I mean, that's pretty prominent here in the SEC. So maybe he'll bring some SEC influence, some SEC experiences back to the Big Ten that can help Michigan. Because always when you leave a program, get some other influences, bring it back, you can be better off and more valuable to your staff.
2: No doubt about it. Uh, I'm just going to stay with you for a minute, Tom. And uh, obviously we get to this time of the year, everybody's thinking basketball, and yet there are some people – who never stopped thinking football, spring football is not that far away. If I were to give you one position that you will most have your eye on come spring football, which position will that be and why?
4: This might not sound too sexy, but uh, and is there one guy that's playing this whole role? Tommy Dolman. I mean, who's going to be the punter? Who's going to be the place kicker? I mean, there's a lot. There's a huge void there, guys um i mean you, you when you're talking about jake moody i mean my word i mean is it is it one guy doing all those things? so I'm actually turning this into a question more than an answer but and before, before you answer that um that I'm still gonna go back also to wide receiver because that was a position of weakness, and we're you know getting some vertical front threat on that on those schemes and 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 stretching that defense and using that incredible arm that J.G. McCarthy has, and, and get ramped up. Maybe Roman Wilson has that year, uh, Derek Alexander, Anthony Carter. I don't know, um, but getting a better performance, at wide receiver. But answer the question, guys. Who's the punter, the kicker, the kickoff guy? Help me out so I can sleep at night here in February.
2: I'm going to let uh, uh, our friend Clayton Safey take a shot right. at that one as well as answering the question himself about position. But I will say, Tom, you you have two guys that uh, are very proud of you for that answer. Not only uh, Jay Harbaugh, but Chris Partridge. They, you know, they're, they're big special teams minds. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and that one, you know, came right out of left field on me. I hadn't thought about it, but now I am thinking about it. Clayton Safey, talk about that a little bit.
3: Yeah, it felt a little out of left field to me sitting here tonight, Tom, but also, so we had the media day down at the Fiesta Bowl. We could talk to any guy we wanted. They had like 130 guys there or whatever it was. And one of the guys I wanted to talk to was Tommy Doman because of how important of a role he's going to have. So I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you there. Um, And I did talk to him and I said, well, how would you feel about doing all three? You know, kickoffs, place kicking and, and punting. And he said he would love to do it. And that's kind of what he's. Going into this offseason planning on doing. He said punting is his favorite and probably his best attribute, but he can do the other two. Uh, certainly. If I had to bet on it right now, I would say it's Tommy Doman doing all three. I think it'd be the first time a Michigan guy's done it since Kenny Allen in 2016. He thought he handled oh. it pr- pretty well. Mm-hmm. But it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do to have all that on your plate. Even when when Jake Moody makes a, a long field goal and then he has to kick off right after, it almost feels a little weird that, you know in that way, but he handled it obviously so well, but that's a big loss. Um, I was going to say wide receiver, but I'll go a a little bit different and and just say the second cornerback uh, position opposite of Will Johnson and just kind of see who's there. I mean, I know they tried to bring in a couple guys from the transfer portal there, but didn't land any. Uh, A lot of people are saying, who's going to emerge there or or wondering Uh, Miles Pollard, Jade McBurrows, You know, those types of guys that really haven't shown much in games, but you hear good things about behind the scenes. Someone's got to step up or maybe they do attack the portal in the summer. So that's kind of the one I'll probably be watching the most. But I'm with you on wide receiver as well. Um, You know, who's going to be that sophomore that steps up? I I look back and I'm going to write about this as well. But uh, I look back at Michigan football history, some of the top wide receivers. It was that sophomore season that they broke out. Look at Braylon Edwards. uh, Anthony Carter was an exception right as a as a freshman uh in a lot of ways. So, um yeah, wide receiver, corner, uh, I think those are going to be really interesting position. Uh you know, not necessarily battles. It, it will be at corner, but wide receiver, it's just kind of like who are the guys going to be? You know, it's going to be Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, but you need more than that too. So, it'll be really uh fun to watch that.
2: All right. Well, uh just to to keep it well rounded, I uh I'm going to go with linebacker myself. And I understand that two of the three are are pretty well set with uh, Junior Colson and Michael Barrett coming back. And you're adding uh, transfer linebacker Ernest Hausman out of Nebraska. So you kind of think, all right, well, you're set at the starting spots there. But how are you overall? How is the depth? How are you going to bring along the the Jimmy Rolders and some of these other guys and does he challenge uh, for a, a starting spot how does junior colson react after uh, you know he he's been on the field now he's been a leader he's been a, had time to to really be in the mix does he continue to take steps up from being a very solid Player for the Wolverines to being one of the the real standouts at a position where I think they they would have been thin. I thought I felt like they were pretty thin last year. They couldn't have afforded to to lose a whole lot. And now, what kind of depth can they build, and what kind of step up can they take in terms of uh, their ability? Uh, because certainly defense given the losses of personnel will once again maybe be more in the spotlight than the uh than the offense. Uh you you both make good points on the wide receivers but in general the the offense will be regarded as coming back pretty pretty darn loaded. So uh again, you know, that puts defense in the spotlight and hopefully uh if you're a Michigan fan it makes the defenders as uh, as ticked off as it made the defenders last year, because they had, they felt like they had something to which they had to respond. So, coming down the home stretch in this particular Wolverine live, and I I gotta say I have kept my spirits up despite uh, the the darkness that has surrounded professional football over the last several days. You've got the greatest. Of all time, not just in the NFL, but in the the history of the football cosmos, and Tom Brady saying, "This is it. I'm done. This, I mean it this time. It's it's over." And uh, I just that's that's a that's a tough thing because I'll tell you what, in uh, in many many lean years of NFL watching for those of us in the state of Michigan until. One Aiden Hutchinson began the Lions' revival this year. It's uh, it's been Tom Brady as the banner carrier, as that guy that you just had to watch, and so uh, gonna miss him. Uh, Clayton Safey, thoughts on uh, on number twelve? Calling it a day.
3: Yeah, I don't know the NFL without Tom Brady. I thought I think he retired for forty days last year, and I thought that was gonna be it, but. You know, I was glad he came back. And even though last year was a struggle for Tom Brady and the whole Bucks offense, it was kind of painful to watch at times. It was still watching Tom Brady. Like people were like, "Oh, why, why would he come back for this?" Um, you know, it's like he knows there's no guarantees. You know, he came back, with, you know, with a with an opportunity, and they obviously didn't, you know, make the most of it. And, and you know, times were tough there uh, last year. I think it was one of his few seasons that he finished under 500. But it was still watching Tom Brady. So. I agree. Sundays will be a little more, a uh, little more bleak. Uh, hopefully, the Lions are reemerging under, uh, you know, with Aiden Hutchinson there. Um, but yeah, being a Lions fan my entire life, and I know I'm, I don't have it so bad because it hasn't been that long yet. But it, it's been made so much easier because you know you got all right. Well, Brady's playing at four or Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football, and to not have that buffer. Uh, where it's it's lions or bust now for me is is going to be tough.
2: <laughs> okay, well let's go to a guy that may have been watching the lions since the last championship in 1957.
4: <laughs> Tom Crawford. I was one. I was one year old in 1957.
2: <laughs> there you go. What do you remember went, about that championship? Yes, yes. Bring yes. It, bring us home, Tom. Yeah.
4: Well, you know, I mean, the amount of respect that I mean, when LeBron James, I, I heard him the other morning talk about Tom Brady. I mean, LeBron James was was looking at him in idolistic terms. I mean, just the accolades. And it all goes down to work ethic and competitive fire that Tom Brady had, and and uh, along with all the accomplishments, obviously. And he is going to be missed. And it is a void. I mean, the Super Bowl is a Sunday. I mean, there was always, when Brady was in it, I mean, there was a Michigan element to it because you had your guy in it. I mean, that's just reality. And I go back to those – those two games in the 99 season, those comebacks, so that was in state college for that Penn State game. And then and in that Orange Bowl, that comeback, he was down twice. Alabama took Michigan back. I mean, you knew that that was a foundation builder that he was going to have a great NFL run. But, yeah, what a, what a run he had. I think this is it. And it, it is a void indeed. Um, but so it's like when I watch the Super Bowl, like, okay, what Michigan players are, you know, it's always who has the most Michigan players on that team. It is a Michigan centric thing in the NFL for me. And, and that's even enhanced with the Lions with Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, they got Aiden Hutchinson. I like the Lions even. I'm a Lions fan. I like them even more because they got Aiden Hutchinson. So it is, that, that's kind of the way I roll. And that's kind of probably the way all three of
2: us roll. And I got a big laugh in the last 24 hours uh, as uh, former NFL quarterback Trent Dilfer was uh, awesome. speaking to veteran quarterbacks and saying, I, you know, I, you guys are where it's at. I, I, I'm I'm not impressed that impressed with uh, with Tom Brady. You know they as protected as the quarterbacks are these days. And I I, I you know I'm just not that impressed. And somebody offered up uh, one of the I think it had to be a one of the the Twitter uh, wisdom bearers that said uh, word has it that Tom Brady is not all that impressed with Trent Dilfer. <laughs> So that, Guys, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for being with us. Clayton Safey, Tom Crawford, as always. Uh, we will be talking to you guys very soon. And uh, like I said, thanks for joining us on the Wolverine Live.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament.
1: Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call one 800 NextStep or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42 in Arizona 1-8- 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com.